Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth About Wealth with John and Michael Paris of Copper Beach Financial Group. Today we're going to be talking about life insurance and more specifically, life insurance as an asset class. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Morning, Eric. Good morning, Eric. All right. So uh, life insurance as an asset class, it, you know, people think of assets, it's properties, cars, homes, vacation homes, um, jewelry. I mean, big items. Uh, life insurance as an asset class. What are we doing? Well, we're going to we're going to really tread in shark infested waters a little bit with this topic. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a, pol- it's a polarizing topic in uh, the world of financial services, uh, perhaps, perhaps more so than almost any other topic, believe it or not. There's a lot of information out there uh, in favor of this, not in favor of this type of topic. We, we happen to be in favor of it in the right circumstances. So hopefully we'll take today to provide a little bit of clarity on this and uh, educate our listeners here. Sounds good. Where do we start? Well, I think, well, generally speaking, when we look at life insurance, again, as a, as a planning tool, and all of this is really couched in a, in a plan, there has to be rationale and good reasoning for implementing this type of strategy. But if you look at life insurance as an asset, we, we happen to think it's one of the better assets that's, that man has ever created in terms of providing a lot of different flexibility with a family's planning goals. So, what we're going to talk about today from a from life insurance or being able to use it as an asset class, we're really going to look at it from really almost in many ways a tax conversation. If you look at life insurance, life insurance is a very tax favorite asset under under the tax code. So many listeners may be aware that the death benefit of a life insurance contract is income tax free under most cases. So that on, on its own is a very nice benefit and when you compare that to other asset classes. But what we're going to be talking about from an investment component is there, there are a few other assets other than life insurance that you can invest at, uh, money into that will provide a tax-free accumulation. So I mentioned life insurance being one we're going to talk about today. But if you look at retirement accounts, that's typically one asset that most people are, are familiar with in terms of their 401k plans, their IRAs those, the assets and the earnings inside of those types of accounts grow tax-free. The other one is charitable uh, vehicles. So nonprofit Mm -hmm. organization also has tax-free accumulation of assets within that account. So when we look at life insurance as being on par with that, a lot of the comparisons we make are really with retirement accounts. So that's really what what we're going to pretty much focus on today. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. So when you, when you look at life insurance as, as that asset class, you have to kind of take a deep breath to say, well, what does that really mean? Well, anyone can buy a mutual fund. Everyone can buy a stock. Anyone can buy a piece of real estate, a home, whatever. And it has uh, certain positions from a tax standpoint. So in other words, if you bought a regular mutual fund and it wasn't in an IRA, as an example, all the earnings in that particular 401k plan, excuse me, uh, a mutual fund would grow and to be taxable on an annual basis, all those earnings. So they're not very efficient tax-wise. Uh, real estate, uh, depending on how it's purchased, could have some tax benefits, but ultimately when you sell these assets or move out of these positions, there's gonna be a tax exposure. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you layered life insurance as an asset class, forget the word life insurance for a moment, just look at it as a tax vehicle 
that allows you to accumulate assets tax-free like an IRA would, but different from an IRA, when you take it out of the life insurance contract, if you do it properly, the income coming out is tax-free. A lot of people are unaware of that. So not only is the death benefit exempt from taxes, so is the cash value that accumulates in these vehicles. And when you take it out, if, again, if you do it correctly, it's, it's taxed at no tax at all. So it's a really good vehicle when you look at accumulating wealth generationally. You know, all our podcasts, we talk about trusts and, and moving assets generationally. Mm-hmm. Life insurance is a tool that allows us to be very tax efficient on both sides of the equation in that particular uh, design. So when you look at building a portfolio, so Eric, if, if you said uh, I have $100,000 and I want to invest it into growth stocks, bonds, and cash as an example. So we're going to allocate that portfolio like any advisor would. We're going to put certain stock positions, maybe some mutual funds or some other asset classes. I'm going to build your portfolio and we're going to watch over it. Life insurance can be plugged into that particular position as well. Because a lot of life insurance contracts that we look at have an uh, investment pool in the S&P 500. Now, that's, a, that's an equity position. So if I said to you, Eric, let's put a life insurance piece in your $100,000. Let's put $25,000 in this life insurance. And it's going to be in the S&P 500 fund, which is where I'd put it anyway, more than likely. And let's, let's grow it. But that growth in that particular 25% of your portfolio would grow tax sheltered. Mm. You, you also have a death benefit associated with that because under the law, you have to have a death benefit to the deposit you're putting into the contract. So let's assume it's a $500,000 death benefit as an example. So you put 25,000 in, you have a tax-free buildup of your cash value, and you also have a death benefit. So if you die prematurely, I'm going to knock you off for, for a second, Eric. Right. At that $100,000 now to the family, you get whatever the mutual funds or whether stocks you're investing into on the other 75% of your portfolio. But now you have this 500,000 tax-free benefit coming from the death benefit. So what's your account value now? It's 600,000 roughly, or it's 570, depending how you do the math. Mm-hmm. So you have a lot more. So it's a self-completing type of a strategy in a, in a sense where you create wealth with it because God, because something happened to you as, a, as, as the insured. Now, we don't want to knock you off all the time. But if you didn't get a pass away, as an example, this cash value would grow in these life insurance contracts for 30, 40 years. Now let's do the math. So let's assume you're 65 and you say, okay, I'm retired. And I want to take a look at taking income out of this contract. And we could take a look at that contract and say, okay, we could send you $50,000 a year tax-free for 25 years. Tax-free. That's a dynamic position when you look at these asset classes and you develop the strategies long, long term. Tax is important. And tax is a major impact on performance and uh, wealth creation along with inflation, uh, as, as we talked about in the past podcasts. So, so we're very tax, tax uh, savvy when it comes to managing that tax. Insurance has to be one of the best vehicles in the world. I'll give you a case study. We had a, a, a dear friend of ours. He's a neighbor of mine. He had a medical practice, and he, both he and his wife worked in the practice. Now, he's, he was 43 at the time, and I said to him, if you passed away tomorrow, Jim, what would happen to your, your practice? He goes, it'd be gone. My wife could probably step in, but we're raising two young children. Mm-hmm. It'd be a challenge. Uh, I don't have an exit plan. So I said, well, you need some type of a key man structure that protects that value. 
So Michael did a calculation, showed he needed X amount of liquidity to cover his wife's needs for her 30 years, because remember, she was still pretty young. Mm -hmm. So we came up with a death benefit on a key man policy. So he, he agreed, made a lot of sense, it protected his family. So life insurance in this particular discussion focused on a different role. Well, that was more uh, of a death benefit, at least initially, death benefit more of play, a death initially. benefit discussion, yeah. sure. So what I said to him, I said, but it also has these other benefits. I said, you put money in a 401k plan every year, you put money in an IRA, you put money all these different spots, 529 plans for the kids. Why do we take those funds and put them in this type of a design as a, as a deposit? So I give you the bottom line. He's put $200,000 a year into this particular design for 10 years. It was totally paid up. He put no more deposits. And what we did was that was his working years. So he was 43 to 53. That's when you work hard, you still got a lot of energy mm -hmm. and you're building your practice. So he said, so I'm fully funded this project for over the 10 years. He says, I'm in, let's do that. So he put $200,000 a year in this, this particular insurance contract. Remember, he had the death benefit, protect his family in case he would have passed away prematurely. He also had this wealth accumulation model going on inside the contract. We did an illustration that said when he turned 65, assuming he was going to retire at 65, he was able to take out $421,000 a year tax-free for 25 years. Yeah, that's kind of nice. I like that idea. <laughs> and he almost fell off his chair. He goes, how can that be? I said, well, the compounding of assets inside any tax-efficient vehicle, including IRAs, grows very efficiently. The problem with an IRA or a 401k plan or a pension, when you start taking the money out, you have to pay tax on it at ordinary income tax rates. In the insurance design, that $400,000 that was coming out was a compounded pool of money over that long, very period of time that made him very comfortable that this contract yielded this much income to him tax-free. So the question I he, we talked talked about is what size of a pool of money would I have to have to generate tax tax free of four hundred you know twenty one thousand dollars net 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 I'm sorry net, yeah. net twenty one thousand a bigger pool so he he got that so that's his main focus building his wealth for his retirement is not a four hundred one k plan it was around this key man funding because he needed the death benefit to protect his family so we protected both sides of the equation from a strategy standpoint. And both he and his wife were excited about the plan. And it wasn't about life insurance. It was about the tax efficiency of the model and guaranteeing a value to his family in case he would, he, he would pass away prematurely. It was a family plan, not just you need life insurance. Yeah. So it made a lot of sense. I didn't mean to drag that on, but it, the great stories come out of these conversations using these particular assets for an investment purpose. Well, that no, one, I, I want to jump in real quick because you, you kind of gave two extremes there, right? You had the, yeah. the first story was, you know, this person could possibly pull out 50,000 a year for 20 years. The second person, 421,000 a year for 20 years, which is, you know, fantastic. And obviously that was more of the, that type of strategy, but going back to that first example, they don't have to pull that money out, right? I mean, it's, no, it's, it's, no, not, it's so it's, in other words, it's much better in my opinion than, you know, having RMDs, right? Because you have to pull money out at a certain age correct. from yeah, different types of plans. With insurance, you you don't have to pull that out, correct? Eric, you're stealing our thunder here. Yeah, sorry, sure. sorry. Yeah. Well, let's no, just no. back that up. <laughs> and that was part of the conversation. The required minimum distributions, which is the RMD discussion. Yeah. That was part of that conversation because he recognized that he'd, he'd have this need to have to take it out at 70 and a half. And, and it has to it has to be spent down through your mortality. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, he looked at all this. And then, and by the way, part of the plan was also, if he didn't need to take out that much money, 
he could leave it in the contract and it cre created more death benefit. Yeah. So it had a really a very interesting dynamic life insurance as I could use it today. If I don't need it today, I could use it tomorrow for my family. Yeah. So that's a, it's a family strategy. And that's why a lot of families like it, Eric, to, and from a flexibility standpoint, it gives you a lot of options. So you, you hit the nail on the head from an RMD uh, dis, dis decision or a discussion. That's something that under the tax law, you have to take a required minimum distribution out of that account when you turn 70 and a half. I think right now there's a proposal in Congress to maybe bump that up to 72. But at a certain point in time, as you get older, you have to start taking those funds out of that type of account, which, depending on your family circumstances, may not be the best solution for you. Again, for many families out there, that may be perfectly fine because they need those assets during their retirement years. A lot of the families that we work with, whether they're business owners um, or they're other high income earners, they're still working. That RMD discussion really becomes a burden for them becomes more of a tax headache, believe it or not, because they're either already continuing to work, they don't need that income. Yeah, and so they hate it. It, yeah. it becomes that really, it's inflexible in terms of their ability to be able to manage their own um, wealth, really, uh, at the end of the day. So these life insurance policies can provide that flexible vehicle where, again, you don't have to take it out when you turn 70 and a half. You can keep it in there for a legacy um, decision for your children, or you can uh, give it to charity. So there's a lot of different uh, functions that you could use from a planning standpoint and the, that these uh, life insurance assets provide. Can you make that now, decision here, on a yeah. yearly basis? I mean, is that is that something you can choose year by year or do you have yes. to set it? Okay, because I'm thinking, yes. you know, one year, heaven forbid, you know, you've got a great uncle that passes away and you get an inheritance that year and you don't need to take anything out of the insurance policy because- that's going to bump you into a higher tax class or, or whatever. You just don't need it. So you just, you, you leave it in there. Right. And then the right. next year you can make the decision to pull out your standard amount that you do every other year. Right. Yeah, oh, and geez, the fact yeah, that it's a, a tax-free withdrawal doesn't show up on, on your income tax return, assuming it's, it is a structured properly and, and designed well, properly. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a, but that's a great point. It, it, you have the flexibility where, if you don't need the income in a particular year, it's not as if you are turning on, let's say, an income stream, flipping a switch, and mm -hmm. you know that switch is it can't be changed somewhere down the road. It's really on a year by year, I mean, a month by month basis, if you want. So, you know, those are some of the other again flexibility that a lot of families like. One of the other benefits, if you if you start again making this comparison between uh, retirement accounts. By the way, we're not we're not in disfavor of retirement accounts, but this is just another avenue that a lot of families of ours like to look at. But one of the other flexible provisions in life insurance policies is you have the ability to access the cash value before age, let's say 59 and a half in your traditional retirement accounts. That's really where the sort of the threshold because uh, the, the Congress doesn't want families and people going in and let's, let's say taking withdrawals from their retirement accounts because they are for retirement, which makes sense for, mm -hmm. for most people. However, if you're, if you're confident and diligent in your savings, you maybe you want to have access to that account before you're 59 and a half. Maybe you want to start a business or, you know, maybe you want to um, take a withdrawal for your, your child to go to college, whatever the family situation may be, you're somewhat limited in terms of your ability to access many types of retirement accounts, whereas you don't have that restriction inside of a life insurance. Yeah. Account. And that was my conversation with him when we talked about the college side, because Michael's points well taken along the way. Remember his, his daughter at that time was only uh, three years old. Mm. So if you go out 15, 16 years since that she's going to go to college, there was enough value in this accounts where he could draw out of the insurance to pay for the college education tax-free. 
So, so it, it's really got these dynamic um, for liquidity events, the dynamic access to take things out tax efficiently to fund projects. Now, what came of this conversation, believe it or not, was step two. Step two is, can I do this for my kids? Hmm. Question. So we have clients now we work with in Phoenix where th they love this design so much, they deposited money in three separate accounts for their kids. They bought life insurance for their kids. Now, why is that important? Because their kids have, they, they have kids. So you're creating a death benefit protection for the family. But also grandpa was funding or dad was funding the account for the grandkids as well, but funding the account for their kids that when the kids turn 65, kids are in their thirties, there's a big chunk of money in these contracts where that's their retirement. Yeah. So, so dad was funding their retirement early on. It was, a, it's, it was through gifting. So it works really, really well, but also earmarked for taking care of his grand, his grandkids. So the, the dynamics of these 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 particular designs for an asset class, and we that's how we started this conversation, is a very unique asset class that has a lot of flexibility, a lot of tax efficiency, and most people can get confused because they're really afraid of the insurance agent. You know, this guy's mm -hmm. going to sell me life insurance. Well, you know, there are players in the world that that's that their goal is to sell you life insurance. I was, Michael said, we come from a different perspective. It's a planning technique. It's a tool we use. It's an asset that we use to accomplish different things for our families. And once they're educated, it's, it's always about education. Once they're educated on the, 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 the fact patterns and why it works, they all say the same thing to us. I never understood life insurance that way. Mm -hmm. I never really looked at it. No one ever explained to us that way. I, this, is the, this is a very unique tool, and I, I understand it. So it's, so it's about education. So we're, we're, we're all about that. So before a client says, yes, let's go forward with it, we spend hours educating them on why it has impact and why it's important in, in their planning model. Now, why was, we talked a lot about retirement accounts and, and many families look at these types of policies as a sort of an alternative to a, a retirement account. And we talked a lot about required minimum distributions and uh, being able to access the account early and what about, let's say, a, a, a Roth account? Uh, what, what, is, that's a common pushback we get. Well, I'm funding my, my Roth account, and this seems to operate fairly similarly to that. So why shouldn't I simply just invest into my Roth account and, let's say, buy term insurance, right? That's always the, as when I said, the shark-infested waters at the beginning. That's a common uh, objection that we get, and that's out there in the, on the Internet and in the commun financial community is I should just buy term insurance and invest elsewhere. Why shouldn't families do that or why should they do it or why should they consider something else? Yeah. I mean, that, that pops up all the time in, in the insurance world. And, and there, there are a couple of pieces back to the Roth to, to start the conversation. You're limited to what you put in your Roth uh, each and every year. Life insurance, you can pay any amount you need to. So there's, a, there's differences in the amounts depending on your, on your plan, what your strategies are. The Roth might not be enough to accumulate enough wealth for, for, for some of your goals. The term insurance conversation, term insurance is a great asset a class as well. It, forms a, it performs a liquidity issue if say, something happens prematurely to the, to the insured. But term insurance goes away. In other words, it's a period of time. So if you buy, a, for example, if you bought a term policy for you, uh, at a young age, let's say you just got married, you're 20 years old, and you have your first baby, and your goal is to, I want to protect my daughter or my son, until they get out of college. So you might buy a million dollar term policy. You pay a very little amount for that. Mm -hmm. And you're protected until your, your daughter or son's out of college. But then it goes away. 
Now, the challenge you always have is, yeah, you could always buy more insurance after that, but what if you're not healthy? What if something happens to your health? Yeah. Now, you, now you're limited to what you can do. So you're always in this discussion with families, do I buy a permanent design that's going to be guaranteed, not guaranteed, but it's going to be- well, it can be, it sure. can be yeah. guaranteed, or one that's, that's going to go away. So it's all about planning. They both make sense depending on what you're trying to accomplish. We have no problems with term insurance. But when you look at what Michael's question is, I could buy term insurance and do a Roth. You can, but the term insurance goes away and, you're, and you have limitations on your Roth. So if, if you have those strategies, it's okay. It's, it's not that it's wrong. You have to live with that decision. And if something happens down the road where you can't buy more life insurance, tell me how that affects your family. Now, we, we constantly hear people say, do I really need my life insurance anymore? I have these, this policy I bought years ago and my kids are all gone and they're all in college. My wife and I, it's just me and my wife. You know, do I need life insurance? I said, you better ask your wife. Mm, yeah. And the, and the dialogue starts because we always live longer than we think, more than likely, especially today's medical breakthroughs. So the risk is, does my wife have enough or does my husband have enough to live their life expecting if something happens to me? So life insurance becomes a tool that you can control, you can manage, you could keep it, you could, t you could get rid of it, you could manage it tax efficiently. So it really depends on the planning that, that you're trying to uh, build for a family. But I'll tell you, 95% of the time when we bring up life insurance in a discussion as an asset class, people look at it and say, okay, you got to walk me through that. But once we walk them through it, I would say 100% of them say, I understand it. I see where it fits. Let's go ahead with it because it has other planning options for me as a family. Again, a death benefit in case is a key man for, for a business, or you want to fund college educations for the kids, you want to give them retirement. All these factors come into play when you manage families. That's what we do for a living. Mike and I, that's what we do. We manage generations. So all our decision process around how does dad help generation three? How does grandpa help, help generation three? These are all strategies that we incorporate in insurance, is, as I said or already a few times, it's one of the best asset classes we use from, from planning. Yeah, and adds flexibility. I think your your example of, let's say, a having a young child and having term insurance in place to cover that need for college funding or for income replacement until the child turns, let's say, adult at 20 years old, 18 years old. To, to your point, Dad, it, at let's say age, let's say it's a 20 year term policy. After that 20 years, that, that policy goes away. Now there are conversion, a lot of term insurance policies will offer a convert, conversion feature, which allows you to convert it to a, a permanent policy at that time, which is certainly adds more flexibility. Although I think the premium tends to be a little bit higher at that time because sure. you're, you're buying it at years whatever, whatever age, you're a little bit older at that time when you make that conversion. So there are some, some flexibility that comes along with term. But if you look at a permanent policy as an example, through that 20 years, let's say you bought a, a permanent policy for 20 years, over that same period of time, you have cash value that has accumulated over that 20 year period of time. You can do a lot of things with that. You could, let's say you don't need the insurance policy anymore, but you could surrender the policy and you have cash value that you've accumulated and you can get some of that of those funds back that you've paid in, in premium. So there's a lot of different ways to look at that design. Again, I, I think flexibility is really the key feature that a lot of families like when they go through this educational process, because again, you have a little bit more flexibility with how you utilize these, these assets to take into account changing circumstances down the road. Yeah. I, I think the fact on, on term insurance, the fact pattern, only 2% of the policies ever pay out from an insurance company because people drop them. They don't, they don't, they don't convert them as Michael's point is. So it's really a, a good tool. It just has to be used for, for, you know, for the right objective. 
Yeah, absolutely. So, so with that, so, so when you think about assets and, and particularly this life insurance asset, you have to sit down and, and think about when you look at your portfolio if, if, as an investor and look at what you have, you have to say, how do I maximize this? See, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people think, and again, I apologize if I offend anybody, but they get selfish about this is mine. This is for my retirement. And, and I get that. We're, we're all in that boat. This is for me and my wife and my kids, you know, they could be on their own. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it's really, it's a, it's, a, it's a plan that you have to kind of wrestle with. But, but a lot of the families you work with have an objective. I want to be able to be comfortable, but I want to be able to leave something for my children. So this is, this is that conversation where if you have a family that wants to achieve that, life insurance is a great asset to do that with. Because you can spend everything you have, everything, sell everything. Eric, you could sell everything and end up being, you know, on the day you're, you're passing, have a dollar left in your hand but have a $5 million life insurance policy and a trust earmarked for your kids, your kids are going to be okay. Oh yeah. So you can, so you can really manage the planning with, if you want to spend all your money, great. But if you have another objective, I want to be able to do something for my children. There's another piece of this. Now it's a death benefit play using the insurance, not an investment play. So you could really look at this on, on a lot of different angles, different planning options. And that's really what, Clients want to hear. They want to see what, what are my options? How do I look at this world around me? How do I protect my family? And, you know, we really get into that. We spent hours and hours with our families just talking about that fact pattern. What keeps you up nights? Yeah. What, what are you most worried about? If you could do something for your children, what would it be? For your grandchildren, what would it be? For community, what would it be? Charities in your area. So we spent a lot of time discussing these, these options. By the way, life insurance fits a very big role in life in charities. Yeah. There are people sign their policies to charities. I mean, there's there's a lot of very uniqueness about um, you know you know life insurance as an asset that that could be a, a very important tool to someone's goals and objectives. You, you guys have barely, I mean, barely scratched the surface on this topic, um, and okay. I know we're out of time. I mean, I, I know we're really low on time. I think most people. I don't. I want. I don't want to just throw out a percentage, but I would think that most people think about. Okay, I know term insurance and whole and whole life insurance, and I've heard of universal insurance. Those are really the three types. But within those, <laughs> there are so many variations, and there's so many ways to utilize it. Like you were talking today about as a asset class, different ways to utilize it as part of an overall plan. So by scratching the surface today, I know that you've opened up a lot of questions. If somebody has a question. Who should they reach out to to get that answered? Well, uh, Lauren in our in our office is our family office concierge. We've re referred to her a few times on this podcast. She's mm -hmm. typically the point of contact for uh, any of our families that are currently working with us or, or any families that may want to work with us. Uh, so she is typically the point of contact to reach out to in our office if uh, you're, you're interested in learning more about these topics. Yeah, fantastic. Any closing thoughts today? Uh, no, I think this was this was great. I think if there's one of the goals that we had in in this podcast was to hopefully just educate uh, families on on why we think this asset class is useful to consider. Again, not everybody, you know, this isn't a silver bullet that's designed to fit every particular planning situation or every family, but it's one that I think if you go and you look on the internet, it's one again that can be a very polarizing topic. And unfortunately, we've come across families that have in many ways made up their mind already without really understanding all of the nuances and, and the flexibility that uh, that can come with this type of strategy. And so I think it's important to talk to talk to someone uh, who really knows what they're doing on this to be able to help your family because 
Um, everybody needs customized advice, I think, for their family, not not simply something you read on the internet uh, yeah. or in a magazine. So yeah. That and my common thought as, as closing is you don't know what you don't know. So you need to get educated. You need to sit down with someone yeah. that's going to educate you on these particular ideas. Thank you guys so much. This was definitely a good, quick education today. And, and I hope that uh, people do reach out to get those questions answered. Yeah, we're, we're looking forward to our, it. Our pleasure. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening to today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. This material is for informational purposes only. Neither APFS nor its representatives provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Please consult your own tax, legal, or accounting professional before making any decisions. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services, Incorporated, a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors, Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services Incorporated APFS or American Portfolios Advisors Incorporated APA and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.